and welcome to the 23rd episode of the Sheffield Vulcans podcast, which we're calling this week Back in the Game, the podcast dedicated to IGR, Rugby Union and everything in between. My name is Nathan Merster and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined not only by John Dickinson this week, but for the first time in I think nearly two months, we are joined by Charlie PM as well. We are at full compliment and it's it's wonderful to have you both here with me uh, and for our listeners this week john how are you how's your week been and how are the legs after after the game of the weekend oh after saturday my legs are pretty much non-existent i feel like i'm walking with my legs in concrete but you know what it was worth every <laughs> single second but you know i can't take away from the fact that we have charlie with us charlie's here Good to be back is all I'm saying. I realise as well that by the end of this episode, I think we'll have had more people on one show than we've had episodes in the last three months. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But that's it's life, though. That's back. life. That's, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, it is fantastic to be back. I've missed you guys. I've missed the opportunity to talk about rugby, the sort of things yeah. I can say that no one else significant in my life actually cares about. We've got the medium <laughs> to do it, and I things couldn't like, be I love you, I care for you, I wish that you were around all the time. No one in your life wants to hear these things. Absolutely no doubt. Exactly. Listen, tell us, what, tell us what you've been up to, Charlie. You've been obviously had work and stuff, but um, how, have you been catching up on rugby and stuff like that as well? Obviously, yeah, yeah. Talk well, a little bit the game you and I were involved in uh, a week or so ago, but yeah, have you been? Yeah, talking about that sore body, I mean, I feel like it took the best part of nine days to get over that first game that we played, <laughs> which we're going to a lot more detail in later, I'm sure. But then other than that, Premiership's back up and running again. I yes. am loving it. It has actually been, for one, for the first time in a few years, I'm genuinely interested in it as well. Um, I think I sent you a message the other yeah. day, Nathan, saying about how there's just yeah. tries galore in it, which has been good fun. I enjoyed the end of the Rugby Championship when I could be bothered to wake up early on a yeah. Saturday. Um, <laughs> and then other than that, yeah, just work. Teaching life on there's a there's a reason that Nathan doesn't do it anymore, but there are reasons enough that keep us in the few of us left <laughs> still doing it. Absolutely, so, yeah, it's the, brave, the brave and the, as as the US Marines would say, the brave and the few, or as I would say, <laughs> the the, uh, the thick and the many. But, yeah, um, see, see, the difference is there is is that at least with the Marines, the hazing ritual stop after the first couple of weeks, where your whole career just feels <laughs> feels like one big one in teaching. Absolutely. <laughs> what will you put up with Absolutely. next? No, it's... <laughs> Exactly. No, it's, you're right to say, yeah, it's been a really interesting start to the Premiership season. Um, Marcus Smith scores one of the great tries of the past little while. Um, also, in see... that game, you had one of the best disallowed tries ever, if you caught any there of it. Is, that was yes, a super there is, one. There is a call for that as well. But it's great to see, it's great to see Premiership Rugby coming back, not just in terms of being back, not just in terms of filling in that, that void of, of, of the competitive game, but to see it playing playing rugby at, at a fast and furious level that Quinns have brought back. Um, it's also nice to see, as much as I'm loath to say it, I'm sure that if uh, if, if Glenn is listening uh, from his Cypriot ivory tower, he'd be delighted to watch the return of Leicester as a force in English rugby after such a yeah. long time. Uh, and after the, yeah. the after the turgid Lions tour as well, it's just yes. nice to see some yeah. top-level rugby well, union we'll, being played. In we'll a... not mention the L word again, or else I'll <laughs> not be allowed on the podcast for a while. But it's great to see rugby back. It's also wonderful to see a little bit of, um, you know, you mentioned the end of rugby championship. I'm not going into too much detail. It is a long time ago now, but some decent games, some great 80 minutes across the board. And it's nice to see uh, a Wallabies team who are back winning games. It's nice to see that it's not just, although they won the championship and Bledsloe, et cetera, that it's not just all about the, being back in black for, for New Zealand. Yeah. There's a little bit of, of open uh, open season between the teams. And it's, it's fantastic just 
to so no yeah no there's this delay is going to really annoy everyone i can tell we'll make it work um, we'll make it work <laughs> but i was just saying as well how good is it to see the top teams in the world beating each other mm-hmm. demi regularly um yeah. especially going into the world cup in a couple of years time be really yeah. interested to see what happens with the test coming up as well and the six nations i just feel like yeah. there's a lot of teams there's five or six teams yeah. all at that level at the moment that i feel like have the ability of beating each other and Absolutely, that is yeah. just good for rugby yeah it is it's good for rugby and it, you know we we We've had some some dire conversations. Uh, we've had myself sounding off, others sounding off who know more than I do. If you're listening to other podcasts or or listening to other news uh, sources or or just Mike Bubbins on Distant Pod uh, talking about how rugby is in trouble, <laughs> uh, which is where I get most of my news these days. Uh, top topic <laughs> hashtag top topic. Uh, but um, you know it's it's nice to um, it's nice to see rugby back because it is the start of a new season, not just for the international teams, not just for the Premiership, not just in the build up to the Six Nations, but for grassroots rugby as well. Um, it's been great for us as a, a squad to get out playing two games this week. We've got two, for those listening, we've got two squads involved in the IGR Northern League at the minute in, in our first and our second slash developments team. It's wonderful to finally get out playing with teams again, playing against our, our comrades uh, up, and, up and around the, the north of the country, but also uh, for our hosts and dear friends in Tigers. Uh, in the Sheffield Tigers as well, I've had a couple of games under their belt up at the Tiger Dome, which I am readily informed has been buzzing every single time they play in a home game. But what we'll do, uh, we'll go back to all these details in some, in, in some way or another, but we'll move on to talk a little bit about the news. We would like to take a moment to wish everyone uh, on the Sheffield Vulcans team, everyone in the podcast family that we have, everyone in the IGR and indeed the rugby world across the board, a happy national coming out day. Um, which is something that, yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's something that we want to really uh, to build up here. The more people who feel comfortable to, to, to come out and be open about their, their sexuality in our sports and in all sports and in all walks of life, the better and more equitable and fairer sport life, all of it will be. So I, we just want to make mark that out, John. You might have some. You want to have something to say with regards to that, because otherwise it's just another white cis straight guy <laughs> saying stuff. Um... Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind sharing my story. So, um, my story was um, quite funny, at least to me, anyway. Um, I always knew I was different growing up as a kid. Um, all my friends suddenly, when we get into twelve and thirteen, we're getting girlfriends, and we're, you know, interested in spending time with them. And I'm just out there going, what? I, I don't get this. I feel I feel really strange. I feel really, really weird. So I'm yeah. um, not really having any kind of interest in in anyone, you know, <laughs> whatsoever. I was just carrying on <laughs> yeah, watching my films, watching all the horror films as they come. But anyway, um, and it wasn't until I went on. Where watched... is my spooky bitch? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. So um, I ended up going to the cinema to watch X-Men and I saw oh, Hugh Jackman, you know, lovely bear of a man pretty much hairy from head to toe. Um, And he spends the first, I'd say, a good 10, 15 minutes, uh, I think like maybe a third into it with his top off, running around the Xavier Institute. And I'm sat there going, hmm, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then came came to kind of a realization. I'm thinking, I'm feeling stuff I've not felt before. This is very, very (laughs) weird. And um, it was so weird to you know, really only kind of realize around sort of like 15 or 16 that this is, this feels very, very different, but in a way 
quite right as well. So um, it was at that point that I realized that, yep, I, I am gay. And I was yeah. a, essentially very ashamed of the fact because no one else I knew was gay. Uh, the only person I knew who was gay was um, my auntie's uh, brother, who was very stereotypically very flamboyant and stuff like that and i grew up in a very kind of working class family who really had a problem with people being out and gay and um i wouldn't necessarily call them homophobic but i wouldn't not call them homophobe you know you get what i mean um so yeah so traditional traditional way of thinking yeah. yeah so i just kept myself to myself didn't say anything didn't even just because I was scared. Um, so I went away to uni and then thought, now is the time where I can effectively start again, be who I want to be. Um, and I was working at Cineworld at the time and a good friend of mine called Andy, uh, who um, I told everything, but not really this. I still had this secret. I knew very well it was gay, but I didn't really have the confidence to come out. Um, but because I had that friendship with Andy to the point where, you know, I, I told him everything. And so one by one, gradually started coming out to people that I trust. First of all, it was Andy. It was a few of my co-workers. And then when it came to, you know, the end of uni, you're thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> Now's the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, to, exactly. Yeah. Now's the time yeah. to to tell. Because at that point, I was already out to a lot of people. The only people who didn't know well, didn't know was my immediate family. So uh, one of the first things I did before I moved back home was kind of sit them down and yeah. told them. Um, and then I just burst into tears, not because I was upset, not because I was happy. I was just exhausted because as you can imagine, you've got this thing that you want to kind of confess. You want to share this story. However, it's so mentally draining. And, and thankfully, ever since that point, I've not had to put with any kind of homophobic um, behavior from family. The only person who really did was my brother. But then again, me and my brother never saw eye to eye, just as most siblings do. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, after that point, I kind of felt empowered uh, and then kind of went on a coming out tour around everyone else around my family. Um, <laughs> I love unfortunately, there was no confetti cannons or anything like that. I would have liked to at least a T-shirt gun, but there was nothing there at that time. You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, um, you know, the whole point of um, coming out days ensuring that, yeah. you know, it's, it's great to come out. It's one of the most scariest things I've done to this day yeah. and i've done a lot of scary things um mostly film related well yeah, yeah i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> that's your choice yeah it's, exactly. it's, i know it's october it's on, though. oh halloween is only a few days away speaking of yeah, which something else i'd like to bring up on the pod later on which is we'll which is going to yeah. be very exciting but yeah um for those listening to the pod who are um even considering coming out i would say this is your journey this is no one else's journey don't think just because it's coming out day that this is the day you must come out this is a point where you must feel comfortable today is all about being able to confide in someone who you trust just like i did with my friend andy um and i'm still friends to, with him you know to this very day and even though we don't see each other that regularly it's one of those friendships that you know you can pick up the moment you see each other and it can be months it can be years until you see them but ultimately it's it just feels like it yesterday so always make sure you have that support system behind you and if you don't have support system there are organizations out there who can certainly provide that support you're looking for and just remember you're never alone 
no matter how hard it is. But yeah, so um, I guess that's kind of my coming out yeah. story. But um, yeah, so I'll hand it back to you, Nathan. No, so, listen, John, honestly, thank you so much for, for that. It, it's it's yeah. wonderful that we're able to kind of give examples of, of, of honesty like that, of really telling our stories. Because um, we've all got, you know, without getting too platitudinous, we've all got stories and stuff. We've all got things to, to hold on to. And this is a special day for people. It's also a difficult day for people. Um, and we need to, to recognize that in both of those things. But as John says, you're not on your own. There are plenty of people. If you're in the Vulcans family, if you're in the IGR family, there will be someone. I guarantee you there will be someone who will be more than happy to sit down and have a coffee or whatever oh. with you. But also you can you can go outside of that and just make sure that you're you're comfortable talking to someone that you trust because we want to make sure that yeah. you know, yeah. is, is part of the reason that we're here, despite all the dick jokes. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's funny, you know, just because there's nothing I can add that either of you two would put more eloquently that is you can say that isn't you talk about kind of not really knowing until you're 15 or 16 so I, I mentioned it on the first ever episode but that so was it my mum's been married to a woman now for 11 12 years mm-hmm. um but it's quite funny because her gaydar is awful like she's really really <laughs> bad at picking up when people might do it and I did kind of make the judgment of her yeah Mum, that might be because it took you about 40 years to realise that you were gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, there's no there's no right time, there's no wrong time. Yeah, exactly. Um, is what I can see. I also just I could just as as an addendum to the end here, it is so route one John Dickinson that not only was it Hugh Jackman who looks like a chupa chup dropped on the floor of a barber's shop. The fact, <laughs> the fact that he is a superhero extraordinaire as well. Yeah, is that's true. Classic Dickinson. And I absolutely I hadn't heard that story before. And I absolutely adore it because it is yeah. it is John. If you In, know John, which most yeah. of us do now, like he's a big he loves a big hairy man and he loves a comic book and he got two he got a twofer there so exactly well <laughs> I, I apologize for anyone who can't watch x-men in the same way ever again but you're welcome <laughs> that's right if uh, i don't if, even know if i can it's if joe marlow had been playing rugby about 20 years oh, earlier oh, he wow. would have found it out Hello. way before that point yeah, <laughs> massively <well>. so <laughs> listen listen Another podcast worth checking out if you're John or indeed anyone who likes rugby. But uh, no, thank you, Captain John. Honestly, it's 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 really important that we cover that because like, we, like, we like to have a laugh and, and a joke around and stuff, but there is also a serious side to, to inclusive sport mm-hmm. and, and, and that's part of it. So thank you for sharing that with us. No, my uh, pleasure. It's really, it's really, it's really, yeah, it's a real privilege to, to hear people's stories. Um, and if you want to get in touch with those stories or if you want to get in touch with us about how you can talk to other people, we'll point you in the right direction and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll find mm-hmm. a way for you um, because there are loads of loads of loads of ways to do that and just before we move on into some of the news of the last couple of weeks we just want to really give ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back but also welcome yeah. to the Vulcans <laughs> family uh, um, Will who has been at the last couple of training sessions at the Vulcans and get this right he, he he turned up to training because he's been listening to the podcast. I know that's insane. It's hilarious because he's not even my mum's friend. Like how has he heard about this? This doesn't make any sense. Well, it's I mean when you I I thought you were messing when Will turned up at training. I hope mm-hmm. you're listening, Will, because honestly, you absolutely. I, I at the time I, I think I might have been a little bit off with you because I thought you were some sort of practical joker. But like I've been talking to to John and to, and to Charlie and indeed some other members of Vulcans about how bloody awestruck we are about this idea that someone's listened thank you so much for for listening i didn't know that anyone outside no. of our immediate families <laughs> listen to this podcast i, I mean like like <laughs> i don't know anyone who listens apart 
from a co- not even on the Vulcans listen. Do you know what I mean? And that, that's fine. But like, well, welcome to the Vulcans family. We're delighted to have you. My, um, my girlfriend doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> 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 this true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> I love it. It's just, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful it's amazing. advert for 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 inclusive rugby for the Vulcans uh, and well we're delighted to have you and thank you for so much for making this actually feel like we've done something positive because that's what we started this for was to get people listening get people involved in IGR and for the Sheffield Vulcans and well you've absolutely made my year by doing that um so we're looking forward to you coming to more and more sessions um and listening to more and more podcasts subscribe uh, like all the rest of it please <laughs> <Because> <laughs> We have a, we have a view on the, getting that top podium place in Germany, not number four, number three next year, guys. That's <laughs> we, the plan. That's a plan. That's a plan. But you know, <laughs> if 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 like Will, if you're out there wanting to um, join us, then please get in touch. You know, drop an email please. through to Iliam yeah. at recruitment at sheffieldvulcans.com, yeah. and uh, we'll invite you along to one of our future training sessions. So a lovely bunch of people. Yeah. So from the sublime idea of a Hugh Jackman-inspired uh, fever dream to <laughs> the rather ridiculous and unfortunate news that we've kind of read this week with regards to inclusive sport in the UK and abroad. Unfortunately, some 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 pretty regrettable news uh, from our from football. Uh, we know we're a rugby podcast, but we have our eyes on all things inclusive sport. Mm-hmm. Um. Those of us who pay attention to, to football and, and indeed even the lower league stuff. So Darren Wildman, who was the academy manager of Liverpool-based football club, Skelmersdale United, was fined and suspended by the FA for leading his team off the pitch after hearing and being privy to homophobic abuse being chanted at some of the players. The perpetrators of this abuse actually turned out to be a player and a coach of the opposition. And they have indeed been fined. However, Wildman was asked by Liverpool FA to show common sense in the situation. Common sense. What? In the way that he dealt with this. Highlighting their actions, implying that finishing game of, of finishing the 90 minutes, getting the game over with, superseded the inclusion and zero tolerance of abuse within the Football Association in Liverpool. They just need to admit they got this wrong, is how Wildman, the head of the academy at Scamacell United, reacted. Now, this is a really, really horrible story. It's a really nasty, archaic way, both for the coach and player of the opposition to have got involved, but also in the way that the Football Association in Liverpool reacted to this. This is not, this is not good enough. It's completely, it's, it's, it's wrong. It's immoral. I've already used the word archaic. I'm trying to think of more words about the horrific way that this has been dealt with. Now, I will say that football has changed its attitude towards inclusivity, both in terms of the brilliant way that the women's game has been broadcasted and how there has been encouragement within the men's game of inclusivity with regards to the LGBTQ plus community. But this shows how often and how close we are to homophobia, to transphobia, to misogyny within within mainstream sport in the UK. Um, John, I'm going to come to you first. What was your initial reaction as a member of the queer community who plays sport 
if this is okay for me to ask you about. Yeah. If you're okay to talk about it. If not, we'll work on it. What's your reaction to this? I am disappointed, angry, upset that, um, you know, that was the reaction of 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 the of the body in, in terms of I'm sorry you need to finish your game first you can't be doing that you can't walk off but the whole point is those people playing that game are human you know mm. everyone has mm -hmm. their emotion and no one has the right to be treated with such animosity at all it's just unacceptable and you know the zero tolerance rule is there for a reason and that's to ensure that we treat each other with respect. Isn't that what yeah. football's about? Isn't that what any sport is about? You give each other that respect. And I think the moment you you kind of put the game first before other people, that's where the concern is. Uh, you need to reassess your priorities. And I think in this in this example, I agree wholeheartedly with uh, with Wildman. Yeah, absolutely. I Without a doubt. You're absolutely right. I mean, and, and kudos to him. We talk about allyship so often on this podcast. We talk about allyship in, in our everyday lives. And this is a guy who has really shown, not just talked about, but shown allyship with the queer community in the sport, both in the world and the sporting world. And, and, and has really given an example of how it is just unacceptable to make this these kind of comments. It's 2021. I hate to use yeah. that. It sounds like a cliche, but Charlie, what do you think this is, in, is, is, is representative of sport as a whole, or is this just an isolated incident? What can be done within grassroots sport to, 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 to prevent this happening, do you think? Well, to me, looking at this entire thing, the biggest thing it screamed to me is just some brain dead decision making that's gone on with the hierarchy of it. I think that so the abuse happened. Now, I think that a lot has been done across all sports to try and reduce that as much as possible. But ultimately, you can never, on an individual basis, control what is going to come out of individuals' mouths like, you know, in, during a game. That's, that's non-controllable. You can do everything you can to try and mitigate against it and to try and educate against it. But it's ultimately uncontrollable. But it's the, the way you deal with it afterwards, and then and so obviously the, the perpetrator, the player and the coach got fined for it. Okay, great. There you go. There's the start and end of it. But then, obviously, what's happened is then the FA has looked at some little bit of legislation, some rule somewhere that stipulates, oh, in these circumstances, the coach shouldn't have actually done this because of Article B, etc. And has decided that then we also need to suspend another uh, the coach for withdrawing right. their team early from the game without applying any kind of context, which, and, and it's not like it's a... Uh, that's an unknowable. They know the context completely because they dealt with it themselves. And you just think yeah. that, is this a case of a massive mismanagement or, or like a protocol not being followed properly or just people not talking to each other but in that case you think okay fine then they do exactly what he says in the article which is that you admit that you were wrong you apologize and you sort it out as far as I'm as yeah. far as we're aware and up until this point there's he's almost had no contact with them and you mm -hmm. think that that's where there's it gives such a, a an apathy towards the situation such a, yeah, a lack absolutely. of a, a lack of due process to ensure that the right message is being sent and the right consequences are being administered for the to deal with the with it properly yeah. so I, yeah. it's something that i hope out you know we'll keep following it and hopefully it will get sorted out mm -hmm. afterwards but the fact that it's even gone on for this length of time shows mm -hmm. I, I i think a 
negligence of duty by the Liverpool FA and it's a real shame and it's the sort of thing that you unfortunately probably does happen slightly more in football than it does in other sports but overall you don't hear about it very often but it's a real shame that it's right. happened no, like it, this. It does it does it doesn't happen in the same uh, towards the same level of of reoccurrence that it did uh, but once is too many uh, just to put that out yeah, there of course. it's not it's, it's obviously not acceptable at any level of the game uh, I think what you've said in terms of a of a dereliction of duty is a real is the real point here. Listen, there are going to be brain dead people, as you've said, mm-hmm. who make comments, and it's going to happen. Education comes from the ground up, though, and we're talking about grassroots football here. And if we are accepting of this at grassroots level, how are we going to be expecting that at a, at a higher level? The Championship, the, the Premier League, the Champions League in Europe, it, when it comes across to to the Premiership rugby, uh, to the, to the Heineken Cup. How can we expect the higher levels of the league to follow these 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 uh, examples? If if not if they're not going to to go along with the lower level, it it doesn't matter whether it's amateur. It doesn't mm. matter whether it's Sunday league. It doesn't matter if it's bloody Arsenal versus Man City. It's unacceptable. And then for the body behind that to go actually, what well, you like you said earlier, you're not following Article Four Point Two, which says the game must end. No. Walk off the pitch in the 1980s. Um, you, you know, you had footballers um, like Pat Nevin, who is a real hero of mine as a footballer, walking off the pitch due to racist abuse to his Chelsea teammates. Nothing happened there. Mm-hmm. No, I, he's applauded for it, and yet you take money out of it, and suddenly it's oh, just get the game over with, isn't it? It's, it's atrocious. Mm-hmm. It's a horrendous way to deal with people's lives, to deal with people's insecurities, and to deal with people's privacy as well. We don't. I don't know the context necessarily of the chanting. I don't know the context of that, but we do know the context of the decision making was completely and utterly reprehensible. On a plus note, we've mentioned it's coming out day, and to bring football back in into the form into the fray here, kudos to James Adcock. He was a current Premier League referee. Five hundred games at the level across. Uh, from right way down from this kind of grassroots level that we're talking about, right up to the Premier League, one of the one of the more respected referees in the game, who has, and I quote, I am very appreciative of the fact that I'm an openly gay man in football. And, you know, well done to him. Massive congratulations yeah. to him as being part yeah. of the community, but also being brave enough to stand up within a masculine, straight-dominated yeah. uh, community and say, no, listen, I love football as much as you do. I also just happened to be gay. Uh, and it's wonderful to see he was on the BBC's LGBT sport podcast, on which you can find an excellent interview with our head coach, Andrea Dobson, on the one with Andrea Dobson, <laughs> clearly following the Friends uh, way of looking at it, which is an excellent interview by itself, where Andrea really goes into her personal life, but also uh, her, 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 um, her history within the game of rugby and union and league. But it's great to see that something like the BBC is giving a, a voice to people like James Adcock, to yeah. people who are in the LGBTQ plus community at the elite level of sport. And fingers crossed that this decision made by the Liverpool FA with regards to, to the walk-off is a blot on the copybook and not a regular occurrence within sport. Because that's the whole point of why we're here. Sport is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Shape, size, gender, sexuality. Yeah. Don't matter. Yeah. Don't matter. But listen, aside from all of that, we've got a bit serious, but we have some really fun guests coming up to talk to you in the second half of the podcast. Uh, we've got some people who've been involved in the games over the next 
over the last over the past couple of weeks, I should say, mm-hmm. and we're building to talk about the games that are coming up in the future. Right, listeners, before we go into the break, it's time to visit Vulcan's Corner. And this week, we're paying tribute to one very special member of the Sheffield Vulcans. This individual has been with the club since day one. They were there at the very first training session in Encliffe Park and has remained at the heart of the club to this very day. So without further ado, we'd like to dedicate this week's Vulcan's Corner to celebrate a sporting career of a true rugby legend. No, we're not talking about you, Felix Barr, and we're not even talking about our president, Michael Hudson, I. Either. We're talking about someone who has had an incredible 16-year career, and that person is indeed Andrea Dobson. On Sunday the 10th of October, the Featherstone Rovers ladies captain hung up her rugby boots for good after competing in the Betfred Women's Super League Shield final at Emerald Headingley against the Huddersfield Giants. Now, although the Rovers didn't secure the win, they did a great job, and it was literally down to the final few seconds. I can only begin to imagine the heartbreak that the Rovers felt when that final whistle blew, but I'm sure I am confident and I speak on behalf of everyone at pod and especially those Vulcans who were there to watch the match in person. Andrea was fantastic. If you've listened to episode 11 of the podcast, you'll know that Andrea has earned a record number of caps representing Great Britain and has played in four World Cups. We're so proud of her. And as a tribute, we reached out to a few of our Vulcans for their thoughts. The thing about Andrea is that she's so bloody humble that you have to Google her to find out that she's an absolute rugby legend and she's the last person in the world who would brag about the fact that she's had an international elite level sporting career from the age of 16. So it ends up that we have to do all the bragging for her. So, you know, we are very, very lucky here at the Vulcans to have the benefit of all of that expertise and experience. And we are very, very proud of you, Andrea. Thank you for everything you've done for the club. Thank you for everything that you've done for rugby. You've had a wonderful career and you should be very, very proud to leave women's rugby in a far better place than you found it. Andrea, Glenn here. In the words of Carly Simon, nobody did it better. It's been an honour and a pleasure to know you. Hope to see you again soon. All the best. Bye. Um, What to say about Andrea? Uh, She's a cracking coach and a legend of rugby and she does a lot for this team so thank you very much Andrea thank you for everything you have done and everything you continue to do I think the biggest compliment I could pay Andrea would be that she's someone who has played for captained and had tremendous success uh, for the England team and is still someone I respect and like Uh, So congratulations on uh, a brilliant career and thanks for the absolutely enormous contribution you've made to the Sheffield Vonkins. Congratulations, Andrea, on such an epic career. I hope you enjoy your retirement. Achieved so much on the pitch as a player, but in truth, nothing really compares to the person that you are off it. Um, Legend in both. Deserve all the accolades that you get. Even if you are from the wrong side of the Benines, we'll have to let you off. Andrea is the kind of woman you go to war with. She's a fearless leader on and off the pitch. Her rugby league career has been incredible. She's dedicated so much of her life playing at the highest levels possible that most of us couldn't even dream of. She's an inspiration to so many people. I'm so grateful for everything she's done for me as a coach. I genuinely would have walked away from it all if it wasn't for her motivation and her belief in me. 
She is still the love of the game in so many Vulcans that the club would not be where it is today without her input. I'm so privileged to call her my friend as well as my mentor. Congratulations on an illustrious career, Andy. You genuinely are a fantastic human being. Some incredible and honest words there about our head coach, Andrea Dobson, from a few familiar voices and some voices who will appear on the show at a later date. So no Vulcan tribute would be the same um, without handing over the mic to my co-host here. So, Charlie, would you mind kicking us off? Yeah, just wanted to say... um that you know I've, I've been a rugby fan of my life i've played rugby for most of my life obviously at a very community level and i've always wanted to meet those ones that uh, those kind of those great players those influential players from both sides of the sport and then to get to a club and find out that you're going to be coached by one of those players one of those real heroes of their sports within rugby with my with my favorite game was just something incredible to find out but the irony being that I didn't even find out for the first couple of weeks there because of how humble she is she's the best coach I've ever had at rugby she is a legend of her own sport and yeah it's just a pleasure to be able to learn from her in the game so yeah beautiful mate and Nathan uh, hi Andrea um congratulations on an incredible career uh, a truly truly sensational track record that you have within the game uh, commiserations for the game this weekend uh, it wasn't exactly the send-off that I think you deserved but in terms of your coaching and your playing it was clearly evident that it's always 100% left behind on the pitch there's nothing that you've you know there's nothing else you could have given uh, and we feel that and I know that I feel that every time that we're training every time that we're in a game in ourselves you're practically running or up and down the sideline indeed harder than i'm running between between the lines um i don't think that your influence on the vulcans can be overstated um from a personal perspective i've you know been involved in, in in rugby since i was a kid but i like so many fell out of the way of it at school after school and at university and to arrive back to such a level of enthusiasm, to such a level of professionalism, to such a level of crack as well, um, is something that I never really want to take for granted. Um, you have reinvigorated for me, I know, a love for the sport that I didn't think I had anymore. Um, I know that these aren't things that I say on a Tuesday night, but um, yeah, you've uh, you've made the game... Uh, something that I want to be involved with for the rest of my life that I thought I'd given up on. Um, so thank you. Thank you for that. I really, really appreciate that. Again, some really incredible words there about our skipper. Um, I'm looking at the clock now and I think it's time we we take a break. So uh, you listen to some music and we'll be right back after this. We are absolutely delighted to be joined uh, 
live, not in the studio, because we're all being covered secure and also kind of for the studio, by Phil Mason and by Archie Carnell, who are two Vulcans. It's our first time on the show. Uh, we're delighted to, that they decided to come and have a chat with us about the game that took place on Saturday. It was the first outing for the Sheffield Vulcans development team, a team that is built to bring new players into the game and also develop them into playing at a, as high a level as they feel comfortable, but also just making sure that there is fun and minutes available. For some reason, Phil has taken this moment that I'm about to ask him a question to stand up and fix the skylight, which it's is my whole body. I, I think that is yeah, it's classic Route One Phil to wait until things are about to happen and they decide to do something else. <laughs> Phil, Archie, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How how are you guys feeling after the game at the weekend physically to start off? And then we'll talk a bit more about the game itself. Uh, I think I've taken over the um, recommended dose of ibuprofen today. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's not good for you. Um, liver, that tells you about as much as you need to know. But yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm tired. I'm good, but I'm tired. I'm not in that much pain as I thought I'd be for playing my first match, but... It's still a, it's still a little bit okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, I'm roofing and tired is 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 two of the holy trinity of things that you get after a big game of the weekend. Now, it would be remiss of me not to mention the fact that uh, the podcast's very own John Dickinson was also involved in this game at the weekend, packing it down in the front row. John, how are you feeling physically after all of that? So, very, <laughs> very. So. So, and that was just from the weekend, not even the match. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? It was, she, she uh, was it was certainly something. Dances, I think she was. But, oh, um... no, 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 no. I was still up in bed by midnight. Oh. Oh, that uh, dance, Paul, in dances is never going to be the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. I think I heard that uh, Ben Nicholson was uh, humping it that hard. It's actually contoured to every single lump and I think it's, everything uh, I've in heard his body. He's so attached to it that the sweat stains are now permanent. Oh, uh, what Ben was Ben was doing, but uh, less about Filth. that, more about the game. Filth. So, listen, the development team went to York first away mm-hmm. day of the season, first away day for some of us as well. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it due to being whipped. Um, but also, uh, it's <laughs> Charlie wasn't there either for I'm presuming similar reasons. But guys, <laughs> went away to play York for the for, Charlie's nodding and taking a big drink of what looks like something fruity, but that's fine. So we uh, right. Ravina. big first Ravina. big first away day against the York Templars. Uh, John, we'll start with yourself. What yeah. was your mindset heading into this game? Like your know, first game in what nearly two years? Oh you yeah, played against Yorkshire Ambulance Service, did you? No, I didn't. No. Um, so you know, the game on on Saturday was against the York RI Templars. You know, which was like 24 months since I played uh, Newcastle Ravens, and I think it's fair to say that everyone was feeling <laughs> such a mix of emotion. And personally, I felt really apprehensive about playing just pure because it'd been so long now, mm. you know, um, add to that the fact that, you know, Charlie wasn't there, all our big hitters who I know can match everything that would be thrown at us. Um, so the pressure was certainly on. Nonetheless, you know, we had some incredible players on our team as well. We had Archie, we had Phil, people who are well known in training for attacking the <laughs> biggest of players and taking them down like absolutely 
people had each chance. You know, add to that as well the fact that we had Richard Mather as our captain, we had Chris Moore as our vice captain, and then we had Kate on the side as well, who was just screaming really positive stuff. Um, and then, you know, I, I came off after the first 15 minutes because I was physically knackered and then agreed with Matt Littler that I'd come on at half time to give him time to come off. But then as I yeah. went on, he came and replaced someone else. And then I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> I'm stuck here now playing the last 40 minutes. But I just yeah. kept hearing Kate's voice in my head. I'm, well, I say I kept hearing it in my head. She could have been screaming it either way. <laughs> it was quite an experience. Uh, but by the end of it, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, yep, we didn't win. But really, the score didn't matter to me. I was in. I, I was. Well, I was very emotional by the end. Um, yeah. These lads will be able to um, <laughs> confirm that. I cried when Kate gave her end of match speech, just because I, I was kind of overcome with that much emotion. <laughs> However, um, you know the York Templars, really, really good team. Um, they certainly knew how to hit hard. Um, but thankfully, we won every single scrum and i'm very proud of the fact that i was able to put the biggest yeah. one of them on their ass so i was very proud of that but you know i could Brilliant. i could spend all the rest of today's show talking about the amazing things i saw on the pitch you yeah, know absolutely. jason bradbridge try um yeah, that tackle jason. that you did rg and phil you are literally the little whippersnapper that just grabs people's ankles <laughs> hold on continuously little, until you get to that try line. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all I good. I did ankle tackles. I'm not going to lie. You did. Absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I was going to come to you next, Phil, because obviously um, John has described the two of you as players who will tackle anyone bigger than them. And Phil, as a member of the club of everyone is bigger than us, how did you, <laughs> how did you feel about making that game because obviously you played you played a couple of games now for the Vulcans you're you're the kind of player who's happy just to get stuck in how did you enjoy the game against against York on Saturday yeah I, I was I was really happy to play actually it had been so long and oh what was even the last yeah it, it was York's ambulance service that we played before that wasn't it and that was mm. insane and terrifying and I don't remember what position I played. I think I got hit in the head quite a few times. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't remember much of that day or the, or the following. Did you do board. that when you tackled though? <laughs> uh, I've, I've been working yes. on my my rhino tackle technique where I just. Um, it's not the you rhino normally see in rugby. In fact, I think Kate hit that. the hit. Kate oh. hit the nail on the head when she called you Superman because you literally just swung <laughs> at people, arms outright, and then you just kind of <laughs> give them a hug and just tried your best. The so good. No regard for your own safety. Absolutely. <laughs> did, you enjoy, did you enjoy it? Is the main thing. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I was a bit scared beforehand because um, I haven't really properly played, you know, as a forward before. And the the mm. only training session where I've really trained as a forward was the one before that. So I constantly Tuesday, felt yeah. like I was out of position. I had no idea where I was meant to stand the entire time. But uh, somebody came up to me then. I was going to try and get them down onto the floor. I don't know if you, <laughs> if we're talking about size difference. Well, I mean, let's, let's put it compensate this way, Phil. Um, this is your first game playing, hitting down with the pack. You know, you're used to playing maybe in the back line. Uh, you've had a couple of minutes. I think you played hooker for a bit against Yas, but that was just out of, out of sure necessity. But, um, I mean, it, you obviously did quite well because you walked away with, uh, with forward of the game, I believe. I did, yeah. Um, very <laughs> much more than expected. You're talking out of your arse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually played rugby for thirty years. Um, <laughs> Despite being, and I didn't play for thirty years before that. So whippersnapper was right. <laughs> but <laughs> no, yeah, I had a really, really good time. I think when I'm in doubt, uh, I just do what I like to do, which is 
deck people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say that we'll just very quickly point out to any referees that may listen to this podcast. Not, yeah, yeah, not but in like a, a really legal following the rules way. <laughs> By decking, you mean like a plank of decking thrown at somebody? Yeah, uh, no, it's my fault. Yeah. style. Absolutely. I... <laughs> Um, <laughs> quickly then we'll move before we talk about the game in, in general a little bit more archie uh this was your first game your first full it was game of rugby how did you find that was it were you nervous or how did you feel starting well, the game? do you know that the funny thing is the week prior to the match i was getting random bouts of anxiety but on the actual day on the coach i was not anxious one bit no anxiety during the match no anxiety wasn't anxious I, I get more anxious during training than I did in the match it just it just um, clicked it was like yeah I'm here I'm playing rugby it was it was weird it was just like I knew what to do like even better than training um I was just emotional the entire day I just felt so emotional and just happy that I was there and having the experience even on the coach going down looking around surrounded by my friends going to do a team sport I just felt like such a team and I just got right emotional from it nice. over, uh, over than anxious. Class. I mean, that's amazing to hear because that's kind of, that's how we want people to feel about, about the game. And, and, and so often, especially with the, the reputation that competitive sports has with particular uh, attention to, to, to rugby in either of its forms, is that it's, it's about, you know, you know, big, big, strong people doing big, strong things. But to hear that people are having really emotional reactions to it is, it's fantastic. So, like, you're heading, you're heading down on the bus. Lefty's trying to sing, apparently. Um, oh, this was awful. This was awful. What's what's going through your head? You go, this is a big day for me. And my, my first my first game with the Vulcans, and Lefty spouting out Sweet you know, Caroline or whatever he's trying to say. The funny thing is, so I uh, before we set off, I went in the toilet with a coach driver. Not like that, John. You be quiet. <laughs> Because we both went in there, and I, I got to, I got we, talking. How did we to pay it. for that coach again? I can't remember. <laughs> That's why he looks so pissed off all the time. I will take one for the team. I don't mind. <laughs> he, was, no, he was having to, he was having to, he was having to use both legs for the break and the uh, <laughs> <center> <laughs> afterwards. But I got talking to him, and he was really excited. He wanted to watch us play. He like he was so happy. Then lefty happened. On the way back, that man did not smile. That man was like, <laughs> I'm not doing this, Lefty. You're sitting in the back. Because one people just not show up. And we were all shouting, shouting at him. And we were just like, Lefty, please. It's quite a long journey to York to hear Lefty singing yeah. and shouting yeah, and screaming. Made longer by that. Yeah, made longer. <laughs> made a lot longer. It was, was an experience. I, knows, though. I didn't know he could do a falsetto. I didn't, I didn't know, know he, he could stop time. Me, but... Are we sure yeah. he can? <laughs> uh, I heard I've heard mixed reports about it. Alice Lefty, uh, I apologize, but I also don't. I don't. Um, yeah. So, uh, sorry, not sorry, but uh, it's great to hear that there was a little bit of banter happening on the bus field. Did that kind of change, like your attitude towards the game, make you feel more relaxed, or how did that kind of work out for you working down to, to York? Me, um, I don't know. I feel like when I feel anxious before a game, it, it doesn't make me. I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I'm not always one for feeling emotions, so we it's very new. But, That's good for your bedside uh, manner as a future doctor. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, I, uh, very empathetic. Uh, yeah, I, I think I get nervous in a way that because I don't know exactly what to do, and you know, something will happen, and I'll be like, oh, how do I approach this? If I do it wrong, I'm yeah. gonna fuck it up. Like, but I, I I feel like I don't get too 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 nervous. Just play objectively. So. 
And I, and I honestly, I think after that game, like I'm so much more comfortable with some of the right. rules that it'll get less and less. But yeah, definitely um, was distracted by a lot of things on that on that coach journey. I, I so, agree with that. Like yeah, it took I, my mind off of that into something worse. <laughs> I think a lot of us feel a lot more comfortable after that game. And I think we really needed it because now a lot of people know where they stand. We've been right. training for like a year, no matches, not knowing what to expect. Oh, and what we some people not knowing what they get themselves into and now we've had a match we're like we yeah. know what we're gonna do i can't wait for tomorrow training because i can't wait to see the difference in all Brilliant. all the new oh, people man. that <laughs> have just now played their first match it makes me so proud that smacks me right in the in the as the kids say in the fields and <laughs> so that's uh, that's amazing to hear but i just kind of want to ask actually in particular with regards to being your first game, and obviously you've been doing contact and training and, and, and all of that, same, same with, with the rest of us. What I found as a kid playing and coming back even more so as an adult, you know, after a couple of years out of the game, is when you take that first big hit, like that first massive attack on your physical and you realise you're not made of glass. Is that a thing that you kind of felt, actually, that you realise, actually, I'm not going to break into if some massive uh, so-and-so hits me across the... The, the starboard bow as such have you there wasn't you kind of i didn't felt? really notice a particular moment like that it was just it was weird because it was the best contact i've ever done great it, like even regardless of the training like i've done i did contact best at that match than i've ever done at training there was no fear there was no anxiety like a lot of times at training when a big big guy's running towards me i'm like i don't want to do this i don't you don't have to say that about me charlie it's fine you it's fine you don't and there was there was just none of that it was just like oh you're going down like yeah. you are getting stuck and if i miss i'm getting back up and chasing you and you're still going down like yeah. the, it, it, it just clicked it was so weird i wasn't expecting i did have to say i saw a couple of videos of you that most of your ones that you sent me but of you <laughs> making excellent tackles um and, there's and a reason you... why i said roadrunner on the back of his shirt <laughs> yeah absolutely me, me. Me, me, indeed no it was it was everyone was your wily coyote that day you were taking them down uh, left right and center and it's great to see that kind of that uh, it's great to see from both of you um that kind of passion to, to pick up and see where you go next it's wonderful to hear actually you saying i can't wait till tomorrow night to kind of see where yeah. development takes us um moving on slightly then like obviously john you've played for the vulcans a number of times at this at this point um but it's been a long time you know two years really knocking on as you said a long since, time since the ravens what was your when you cross that whitewash mm -hmm. and you're about to start and the referee does, I believe, a completely waste of time checking your studs, but that's for a different time. But I haven't seen that happen for a long time. What was your first like rush of emotion? Was it just like, I'm up for this, it's great? Or was it like, oh, this is a really big deal? Or how did you kind of react to that? Well, for me, uh, lockdown taking its toll as, as it has with a lot of people in terms of, you know, we've we've not all been doing the best of habits. We've all put in a bit of timber and um, I've, I've admittedly put on a stone and a half and that stone and a half over that time has really affected my fitness. And that's something that I was really, really worried about going in. So when I hit that 15 minute mark, I, that's the point where I really hit a wall and thought, oh, OK, if anything, I'm going to walk away from this saying that you need to work on your fitness boy and as as uncomfortable that is to to know that that fear was very much there so you know moving beyond uh, that whitewash and going into the second half when i was there thinking oh god <laughs> i really need to move and i yeah, think if anything that kind yeah, of yeah. exactly so i just kept 
pushing forward. Um, everyone else on the pitch was being super supportive. And there were times as well, um, as especially when we got towards the end where I just had no power left in the engine, but I just kept going forward because, you know, people like Phil, people like Archie, um, Tom Turner, I, the list could go on. People, I was saying to them, I'm so sorry, I'm not as fast as I normally am. And they're like, John, don't worry about it. You're getting the hits, you're doing everything you need to be. You need to be in that position. And every single time that we're asking you to do something, you are there. So you have no shame in what you've done there. So I walked off that that well, once the game ended, feeling an absolute wreck and was absolutely knackered, but really glad that glad that I put a shift in. Um, so that was really my experience. And if anything, it's it's you know Archie's hit the nail on the head. It's made me feel a stronger player. Um, you know Phil as well, saying that he goes in and is able to kind of just challenge forward and and just. You know, there's no, there's no one else like Phil. There's no one else like Archie. We've all got our strengths. Right, Philly, so. Phil has literally got a twin. But there's a genetic <laughs> connection in Manchester, but way to go to kiss on my compliment, boy. Can I rip off of that a little bit, though? I think. Yeah, please. I, I always feel the stamina thing in matches too. Like, I, I try and battle like wanting to play the whole thing and just not actually physically even being able to but that's part of what i liked about being a forward in that match like you you take more hits i think from from i mean from what i've been playing as a back compared but oh, yeah you also have like <laughs> what no hits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also have like seven people around you as well that are usually pretty yeah. close and like yeah. obviously got backs near you and shit so it's a lot less in my eyes compared to being a back it was a bit less cardio for me and i think i felt a bit more supported by everybody around me i don't know like so it's a bit less exposing isn't it you've got more support. yeah yeah you just feel like you've got the shield around you like with archie being I like think, a yeah. winner stuff when i've played that you just feel so isolated especially yeah. if everybody else gets dragged in and then that's a lot of pressure but like yeah it is a bit lonely yeah, exactly. <laughs> i'm just i'm just yeah, watching you're, you're, you're scrums for all okay. this point aren't you <laughs> <laughs> well, i've realized that they have a say that though we did so yeah. well in the scrums we won every really single did. one of those yeah we did great that's, that's a bit i think i think it's interesting though that you say that because believe it or not i i i, I played in the pack when i was a young 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 kid really? <laughs> uh yeah i know uh played hooker for a bit and then played six for a little while um and, and that's how he makes a living uh, yeah uh it's, it's it is strange you kind of get this strange kind of um camaraderie with your with the pack there is a there is a real sense of, of a weary unit um totally Archie's just got, Archie's yeah. just got a blanket because he's 73 <laughs> um which is for the listeners it's a nice blanket but it is it looks comfy a blanket it does look comfy he's also drinking water because he's still 73 um because he needs to keep up you know he'll get dehydrated with the heat coming with the, you know the gas just turned on but um what i want to ask just before we move on to the i don't really know what that joke meant but we're gonna leave it there. <laughs> no, um, no, no 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 we're going with it but it's fine um i think it's it's usual at one point something will just you know it'll occur to me and i'll laugh and that's the end of the laughter but I think <laughs> well, before we move on to talk a little bit about the the game against the Manchester Village Spartans, uh, which Charlie and I were involved in, and I know that John and Archie watched, and Phil will make it up in his head and add his own bits. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to ask the three of you just really quickly for a moment. It doesn't have to be during the 80 minutes of the game. 
It doesn't. It could be on the coach. It could be the night before. It doesn't matter. A moment that really stood out to you in the preparation, playing, or the aftermath of the game that really made you feel like this is this is great. I love this. This is brilliant. And um, we'll start with the person in the middle of my screen, which is Phil. So Phil, what was the moment that kind of stood out to you as we're back? You know, this is it. This is great. Yeah, I think. Um... No, no one is completely sticking out in my head, but any of the fucking like high velocity tackles just really get you going and like put you in the zone. I can think. Um, I think it was actually the same big guy that uh, lefty stopped. He was sort of the last line, and I kind of ran up behind him and helped get him down. And I think I both realized that sometimes it takes two people to tackle one person, and that was a learning experience. But I think it also sort of taught me that like don't fucking don't like leave it to somebody if you think that they're getting the tackle down, like. It's not gonna hurt if you go in and like grab an ankle or shit. Like I, yep. I definitely slipped down from a waist onto an ankle and didn't let go and got a few. That was so off. funny. That was <laughs> so funny. <laughs> what am I not gonna? If I yeah, that was hilarious. You were like a little chihuahua on like a horn. <laughs> <laughs> you were literally going up in the air. Successful tackles that I followed through. But oh, no, that's I think it takes people that's, off guard. So that's no, that's amazing because that that's. I mean, like, if she was listening, I hope she is, but I'm sure she has other things on her mind. We'll talk about it later on. But if Andrew was listening, she'd love that. And Kate as well, the idea that you've re- you've kind of gone, ah, oh, sometimes it needs more than one of us to do this. Yeah, who and thought? That's the whole yeah, point. Um... That's a great, oh, that's, a, that's a great thing that that's something, because, like, you could say things like, oh, I made a great tackle, or, oh, I made, I made 10 yards, or, oh, I scored, or whatever. But that recognition is fantastic. Uh, John, mm-hmm. yourself, what was the moment that kind of stands out to you as this was a great this is a great day, it's a great game, or I just had a great time. See, I had, I had two points. I've already mentioned it previously. And that was a moment that we had our kind of like post-match huddle with the team. And Kate was saying how proud she was of all of us. You looking around, sweat was just pouring off every single player in that circle. And regardless of what the final result was, you know, it's 41A. There wasn't a single frowning face. We were all really, really happy with what we were doing. We were really, at that point, one cohesive unit. And it is that kind of unity within our team and who we are as Vulcans, which really filled me up with a lot of pride. And then the second point was when we actually got into the changing room for the moment we returned from the pitch. There was just something in that room that was just really, really electric. And it, it just, again, felt very cohesive as one single unit as as a team as a team should and that's the buzz that i will now continuously try and chase with every single game we right. play f- going forward yeah that's, that's that's fantastic to hear that kind of team spirit and that, and that community spirit as well i think it's really it's fantastic as well that you've mentioned this we've been talking about this game for 20 odd minutes now as the first time we've mentioned the fact that the score was was not what we wanted um, you know, you said the score there, 41-8 to the Tempers, congratulations to them, but we've mm-hmm. not been talking about the score. Yeah, <laughs> we've been talking about the, the, really. the, the advancements that we feel as a team that we've made and, and the cohesiveness, as you've said, John, which seems to be the word of the day um, with regards to that. But I've left you to the last, Archie, because it was your first game day uh, and not just that, but your first away day. And I'll admit, I haven't even done an away day yet. Uh, and I, I'm a very, very jealous. Of they are long, that. very long. They are. <laughs> it's a long day. I get that. But I mean, aside from lefty serenading the coach uh, or indeed forgetting that he left all the beer in the coach and not that had all been drunk. Uh, I've heard this story, Lefty, don't you worry? I've heard Kate's telling of it, regardless of what you think. Um, what is the moment for you, Archie, in your first proper 15-a-side game of full contact rugby 
that you're going to take away and, and move forward with? Um, uh, three moments, but they're only small, so I will be you quick. Three, that's fine. Uh, first was when the whistle blew and the match was finished, and I was just so proud of us all. And when oh, we was all walking oh, back in together oh. as a group, and I was just like, we've just done that. We've just done that as a team. So many of us, it's our first match. People joined months ago. It, and it was just a lovely feeling of just accomplishment. And the, the second one is Kate. And it's not a singular moment. Just the fact that the entire air through the match, I could hear her screaming. And because I was so close to her as yeah. well, she was, come on, Arch. Love that aggression, Arch. Keep keep up and it just felt like i had someone just holding me through it and yeah she, and she was doing it to all the players and it's it's honestly just Fantastic. so amazing you feel so cared for and she's so passionate about it and yeah. the last one was winning uh man of the match with phil to yes, libra king Fantastic. No, no one else i would um ever have won it with than phil yeah nobody else my, dan- my dance partner <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Amazing. there was my there was my moments that I'm. They I'm three, and three great moments. I mean, there's nothing like that final whistle, win or lose, and you feel like you've 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 got something out of it. Just to mention Kate again, someone give her a quid. That's uh, that's four hours on the TV for her whenever she's back on. Otherwise known um, as Victoria Scone from Drag Race. They do look very similar. Yeah, but obviously Kate is Kate is, is a superb coach and brilliant on the sidelines mm-hmm. as well. And she does she really instills that belief in yourself. But yeah, Dad, um, congratulations to you both on on Player of the Game. Yeah. In thank you. What was it? What was a tough a tough outing? It cost me a pretty team. penny in bribery. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no, it was it was it was great, and everyone yeah. has said. Uh, your names have both come up in, in conversations I've had with, with, with both coaching and other players uh, of, of, of not leaving anything behind, you included, John, in that. So I think you can all be rightfully proud and looking forward to not just tomorrow night. It's obviously recording this on Monday, mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday being training, but looking forward to the next the next game. Yeah, um, so absolutely. I, yeah, Massive congratulations, guys. I think it's also worth saying, too, that how often when you play games and you're and it's like you play a development game or whatever and they and teams just like flood the teams with their first team players and it's completely unreal result and stuff but what I think you should be so proud of here is that it's a really authentic team for what the objectives to do is like, as you said there was how many players out there that have played nine, not just nine their first... players were making nine nine ties were handed out for first games for the yeah, yeah exactly and then incredible. within that how many it was the first rugby game they'd ever played as well you know what I mean like it was just and that's then makes it authentic doesn't it and uh, everything that you get Super. from that now I just think incredible stuff guys congratulations no, do you know what's really nice as well is the fact that the York team actually said you know the guys who stood on the sideline watching us play they had no idea that we had people who was making their debut. Yeah. Um, and to them, too. they were just watching mm-hmm. a team who had, you know, trained and played together for a long, long time. And I think for York as a team to be able to turn around and say that, that's that's really a testament to yeah. the talent we've got out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Because York, York Rugby Club is a well-established rugby club and getting their RI team is, uh, you know, they, they, they have pedigree there. And I think it's really, really, yeah. really superb. I mean, getting a score against them is 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 in itself an achievement. But really, as we're, as I'm really at pains to, to to communicate, like the amount of people making their first ever game in a full fifteen sided the full fifteen assigned game of union is mm-hmm. really a, it's both a compliment to the players who did it, but also to the, to the project that we've got here at Full Fifteens uh, and how we're going to move forward. Uh, speaking of moving forward, moving onwards, we'll talk for a few minutes quickly 
about the quote-unquote first game against Manchester for the Spartans, which took place Saturday before last. Uh, it was our first game of the season. Myself and Big Charlie, as he yep. to referred to, because obviously Little Charlie played as well. Uh, although <laughs> I, I can't really say Little Charlie because he is about three or four inches. Speaking yeah. of which, oh, though, Charlie did play on the game just uh, just gone, yes. and he did exceptionally oh, yeah, well. And I said to him, "Are we going to get you back on the pod?" And he went, "Yes, we will." Yes, so we'll get, we'll get you know, watch this lessons. space, but. Yeah, I know that Gaz will be listening, hoping, and also good to speak to Gaz at this match. Yeah, if you're listening, pal. Really nice to finally put it, put it, put, uh, put. Although I knew you look like, put a face to a name, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it, you know, to to one of our one of our bigger supporters, Gaz. Will uh, we hope to see you again? Yeah, soon. we really appreciate um, it. Definitely, really but good. we've but we've spoken enough about so we've spoken enough about the York game. So let's let's yes, talk let's about organizing Manchester Village Spartans on a Saturday. But I hope mm-hmm. you guys are going to stick around, Phil, and our teaching kind of. To keep us in line um i don't know john do you want to lead us in this conversation because I yeah like... so obviously this is the first time we've entered uh, a league first of all which is great yes. and to face off against the manchester village spartans who you know ha- are one of the oldest igr clubs in england you know first was uh, the the king's cross steelers and the um, second oldest igr team in the world they are indeed i believe they've been going around for like 15 or 20 years now which is incredible so they've they've got i believe three teams the the second string are known for having again a lot of big hitters a lot of big names on there (laughs) uh names that are quite recognizable especially across the igr um communities it currently stands so um you know let's let's recall that day it was a very wet saturday uh, the rain was indeed falling sideways, as it always does when we're always up at Sheffield Tigers with its own microclimate. So, um, <laughs> you know, you both played the ass game. And I think it's fair to say that the match against the Spartans wasn't necessarily as difficult as the ass game was, because let's be honest, you guys smashed them. So in your own words, <laughs> how did it feel to step out onto the field? And secondly... What do you think of your own performance? Yeah, so in terms of what it felt like to get out there before there, it's worth noting that I was way too pumped up way too early. Um, <laughs> I think you were out there at 11 o'clock, weren't you? Yeah, literally. Like, kickoff was Char- at one Charlie o'clock had been in I- kit since, since 8 a.m. Yeah, exactly. Oh, mate, I was literally, I was ready to burst a blood vessel by the time yeah. the actual uh, actual whistle went, I think, for it. I think because, obviously, Nathan, you said about kind of coming and having a bit of a chat with the fours before. I then gave a bit of like a pumped up, come on, we're going to go and do it speech to the forwards. And I ended up making that speech about three times because it was like an hour <laughs> and a half before kickoff and we were ready to go. But yeah, I was very, very pumped up before the game. And it was just fantastic to be out there. I think we said it a couple of times before that think about every, because I didn't, I didn't play in that Yes game with you guys. I was still down south at that point. I did play yes, games that's great, but yeah. it was, yeah, yeah. But it, it was like, obviously the adapted rules and stuff. And I was thinking about, yeah, think about every remote hit session that we did. Think about every, all of those non-contact sessions, all of the touch games, everything was building up to that, to mm-hmm. be able to go on and actually play proper 15 aside full contact rugby again. And yeah, I absolutely loved it. I thought that we started those first 10 minutes from the Vulcans that like the Vulcans matches that I've played in. I think that was probably the best rugby I've seen us play, like with the intensity mm-hmm. and the physicality we brought to it. We were accurate. We were making ground with every contact. We were dominating pretty much every collision. Yeah. 
got a couple of tries early on. And yeah, that first half was really something to be proud of. I think we fed off a little bit in the second half. Obviously, fitness, first game back of the season, no one's quite there with match fitness yet. We've got a couple of injuries and also I think just maybe took our foot off the gas a little bit. On top of that as well, you know, as you said, they do have some big hitters. There's some big lads that are running good lines and pinning us back. And they had a couple of... uh, uh, guys that were kind of quite good at trying to force the ball back as well so mm-hmm. no they had they had some good players but overall I thought that we fronted up to that confrontation really well and I think that yeah, I was just really proud of the result. Nathan you were playing number nine you were mouthy as ever I heard you <laughs> from everywhere on that pitch and to be fair that's exactly where you need to be. Did you have fun? It, it, I did have fun. Really and was it worth waiting time. all that time? Was it worth of course it was worth waiting it was, it was wonderful yeah. to be back playing um, it was it was an interesting. It was stressful. It was stressful to start with because, you know, Ed Dyson, who is um, you know our our uh, our current scrum mm-hmm. half, you know, was was unavailable due to Miss Rona coming uh, coming to his yeah. household. Get well soon, Ed. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully he'll hopefully he'll be ready for the next game mm-hmm. because we really missed him. Um, so we had a little bit of a, a last minute change of plan in terms of the backline. I moved from 10 to 9. Chris Moore, who is, as ever, uh, a great safe pair of hands, mm-hmm. came in to play at 10. Uh, Captain Party was busy partying <laughs> it up big style in San Lucia with Amy. Congratulations to them on their marriage. But I can't believe you took <laughs> this week to go on the honeymoon. I spent the day with him yesterday in Leeds um, at the women's grand final and, and grand and shield. And mm-hmm. he's looking as brown as a nut and about three stone heavier. So we'll see where he's going to be in the next, uh, <laughs> in the next uh, starting 15. So it was, it was, it was a little bit stressful to start off with. We was, this is the, this is the back line that we've never even trained with. Um, players like Adam Booth making their first start for the team. What a game. Know it. What mm. a game he had. He, he turned up, he scored a couple of tries including the opening score. Uh, we're very lucky to have Adam involved. Uh, you know, Charlie Winterburn playing at, on the wing mm-hmm. and not where he wants to play. You know, it's a, we, everyone was having to make changes in that back line. None of us were exactly, you know, where we expected to be. We spent the best part of a year working on a back line that, that works mm-hmm. how we wanted it to. Um, and just because circumstances changed at this level of rugby, we weren't able to do that. But having said that, you know, Adam ran lines like a champion. Renault made tackles like a legend. Uh, Kieran, at fullback, was making yards and really dictating the play. Uh, Felix was there. I was just about to say the right And Chris was dictating things from 10. And, you know, it wasn't what we wanted at half. T- and we had a couple of scores in the first half. Went out to a nice early lead. Chris went off at halftime. I moved to 10. Charlie moved to nine, um, which was his first time in that position. He was also mm-hmm. his first time at 10 for the seconds for the development team. So he's had a bit of a, a, a baptism of fire across the back line. But, you know, I think in terms of effort, you can't you can't blame it. I think it was it was as bad conditions to play the game of rugby as you can possibly get. Uh, you know, John, you were there on the sideline. Archie, you saw it as well. Phil was somewhere warm and dry, mm-hmm. uh, which is to be expected. It. But <laughs> it doesn't regret it. It was sideways rain. It was ninety degrees. It was it was tough going, and they were a physical, attritional group of players. And I think the scoreline, yeah. you know, thirty four ten is 
is you know it's a, it's a decent it's a decent result for us but you know it could have easily been 24 20 24 24 if the kind of you know if chances have been taken there were a lot of lot of knock-ons i think we left points out there i think manchester left points out there mm-hmm. but what what a, what a what a great way to to welcome ourselves back into the realms of, of competitive of competitive igr um and to spend some time with with a team that you know we have personal connections with mm-hmm. in terms of uh, personnel but also just to be back playing games against our igr comrades um is it was wonderful um i, I just want to give a shout out before he uh, explodes due to ego to charlie here because he was carrying like a maniac <laughs> see um, i was i was gonna throw over to charlie charlie you yeah. get some massive tackles and let's Sonic be honest boom levels that's it you know let's think of the village spartan lineup we had rhino right there in the front row but we were so lucky to have you there because he was getting nowhere where you were concerned, mate. How, how did you find that experience? Well, I think I could summarise it with the fact that it took me about seven days to walk again properly afterwards. <laughs> I was in. And Jesus, I still... Jesus came back from a life in three days. It took you seven to walk. That is yeah, crucifixion. Yeah. Still can't turn my neck properly. Nah. Well, I mean, obviously I was next to it, but I heard from the sideline that apparently the sound was quite good on that first hit that we, that we shared um yeah, <laughs> yeah. we literally no. said it, that we just went all in unison all at once we just went oh yeah that was good at we enjoyed that one yeah they had well i think that you know they they obviously had some they had some big guys um mm-hmm. i think overall they're probably a, a probably slightly bigger pack than than we were but that's when i Which think is well hilarious considering you're the size you are yeah <laughs> yeah they were yeah. actually bigger than us to be honest with you five, i know six, yeah nine. yeah exactly so and then, I, but that, that's when you kind of go looking together a big pack. It's like, right, well, this is sort of where yeah. where I've got to step up, and mm-hmm. just yeah. did the did the best to do that over the course of the game. And it's because it is, as you say, with the talent that we've got in that back line, um, yeah. with Adam having his first game, with Kieran coming into the side as well, and then when Mark's back, and when Slim's fit again, if that's going to happen over the course of the season after the injury as well, well, it's in like yeah, yeah, yeah well. precisely right. You know, there's there's so much talent in there, but I think that but you guys can only do your jobs if we do ours properly and that was the objective of the day it was it was a classic example of the old adage of like forwards decide who wins the game backs by who much um Hmm. because i i think that i mean obviously ben nicholson who's yeah i'm glad you mentioned ben that's something i wanted to ask you about huge game yeah he did Mm -hmm. a great game really opportunistic really instinctive tries from charge downs and stuff like that and he had a great game because he's a freak physically. I don't understand. And Felix is shaking in his boots because Ben's coming for his award. <laughs> <laughs> Top try scorer. That's definitely going to be Ben at yeah. this right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That award. It's only one try. <laughs> no, it's two now. It's two now. You got a good one. Felix got one in the first half. Um, oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, I forgot about that. He did, yeah. Um, um, yeah. But I think yeah. it was it was it was it was a good it was a good way to start the season. I think we can only build mm-hmm. on it. We've got Leeds coming up on Saturday, which is currently a top of the table clash. Um, please, do, if you have the opportunity to come down, <clears throat> please do. Oh, that was a weird noise. <laughs> That's staying in. I'll start that again. Oh, <laughs> uh, if you have the opportunity to come down on Saturday against Leeds, I believe it's a lunchtime kickoff. Is that? It correct? is uh, so kickoff, kickoff at one o'clock. Kickoff at one o'clock yeah. on Saturday, which is Saturday the sixteenth um, of this month. Indeed. We're playing Leeds in a top of the table clash. They're a very strong side. We've had some good 
good tussles with them in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the first one that's meant something in terms of a league. So please do come on down. I'm just really interested, um, John and Archie, watching on from the sideline because before we came on 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 air because <laughs> we're on air before we started recording we were talking about the difference between watching a game and playing in it Archie, what was your you watched the second half um, honestly all i could think was why did i not bring my kit i wanted yes! to jump on that pitch so fast <laughs> i'd like always a good it, sign and it's i get so intense watching it i'm like just come on just do it i just want to play so badly anytime i watch this play I'm, I'm i'm gonna step in there and i'm gonna throw it out to you charlie um you know we've already mentioned how phil and archie won man of the match uh both uh, forward and back um for go. the match against spartans uh you and i caught up with each other (laughs) we caught up with each other and just had a few words after the match but um i'm thinking looking at your face now and how you're beaming in your own words (laughs) how does it feel to know that you got man of the match for the first game back yeah yeah it's not bad is it it's quite nice um no it's it's genuinely i was really really happy to get it i thought i'd had a good game but there was also like 10 other people on the pitch that genuinely could have got it as well. So when you hear it, it's always a nice feeling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I will say if there's any of the Spartans listening that um, the times when it got maybe a little bit too confrontational, like, I, I, I didn't mean it. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say this. I was hoping you'd say this. I remember you swearing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I need a backstory. The, here, the time in the rook where he wet Willie John, it was not personal. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was just it was just in the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gonna fill that gap. Do we make a? Should we make a man of the match group chat? Me, you, and a uh, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Well, yeah. To be fair. To be fair, out of everyone here, have we all won man of the match? I've not. I have no. <laughs> Nathan was a man at the match. Yeah. Well, even that's debatable. But Nathan's barely tall enough to get on roller coasters. Let's not set him objectives. <laughs> Let's not try into this, Archie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, I, am, yeah. I have not. But the, uh, the key of a good halfback is that you melt into the background. You know? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Um, or that I'm just not very good. Fine. <laughs> Although I will say in a very kind of cliched rugby moment was that after the game, was it? I, I, I don't actually know his real name. He was just Rhino. I, I imagine, I assume is the I, I think it's a nickname, goes by. yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think he wasn't christened Rhino. Smith or something. <laughs> I think his name is probably Jeffrey or Stewart. Yeah, or something. I if it was that, if, if it is, then fair play. But, you know, we obviously had a few... Had a few comments together over the course of the game, and then afterwards, when we were having a pint in the club, he came over and had a yeah. word, and um, and it was it was quite nice. Just just sort of said, yeah, good yeah. game, mate. Was... Going both ways, it's nice to have someone that's sort of up for it and to yeah. to really go into the contact like that. It was, so yeah, there was, it was a nice rugby that, moment. It was there were there were real moments of real tasty contact throughout it, and there were a couple of verbals thrown. Um, you know, which is part of the game. I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not very good at because I hey you, you're a big mean guy and doesn't really <laughs> come out desperately well. Is that the voice where you'll leave you down? Yeah, that's me talking to Phil at training. That's a good line. Um, you big meanie. <laughs> uh, bet you got a twin who's smaller than you. Any, any more quotes um, that I can... Uh, uh, shut, shut up, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Direct quotes from. So yeah, that's my that's my fat. My that's the, I'd like to say I'm scared now. Yeah, no, talking no. on the pitch, the but pitch, genuinely, yeah. I'm I'm gasping for air ten yards behind the rest of the game. <laughs> but no, it was it was nice to have that kind of post game post game pint uh, as as we do. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that was that was it was it was a nice closure to it. Yeah, and we'll see them again quite a few times this season. I think. Yeah, you will. Yeah, well, we all will. Both sides of us. To yeah, be both fair. sides. We we played them quite a number of times. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing we'll get well accustomed to it. We'll get well accustomed yeah, nothing, to it. Nothing wrong with a little bit of rivalry yeah. that ends up with someone going to yeah. point and you go, no, actually, I can't even drink because you broke my jaw. Right? <laughs> uh, exactly. Bless okay. him, bless him, bless him and save him. But uh, no, great day. Great. Sounds like, to be fair, from both of these, it sounds like it's been a really, really superb reintroduction to competitive rugby. Um, obviously, in terms of the dev game, the seconds game, not the result we were wanting, but by every other measure, we didn't have coaches. We didn't isn't everything, but wanting to is. That's, that's the attitude. That's a really good way of putting it. Winning is yeah. the older, but let's make sure we with the next one kind of idea. And listen, it's it, from talking to the coaches, from talking to Andrea, from talking to Kate, from talking to other players that were involved in both games. There's no doubt that everyone really left as much as they could on the park. There wasn't anything less in the tank at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just such an absolute joy, I think, to be talking about rugby in the present tense. Mm-hmm. Listen, uh, Phil and Archie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Have a chat with. Thank you for us. having we, me. We, yeah, we really, yeah, we really would love to have you back on again to hear about your growth through the game. Yeah, I share that sentiment as well, guys. It's really, it's, it's always nice uh, when we get the other Vulcans uh, like yourselves onto the pod to join Charlie, Nathan and I. Um, you know, we've said it time and time on the pod, we are a community um, as well as uh, as a team. And, you know, uh, Kate said it in last uh, in the last episode that, you know, being part of a rugby family um is exactly that it's 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 you know you join a family you don't just join a team you join a family and a community that comes with it so speaking of um our community even though our um our skipper uh captain party uh, mark morgan uh was currently away at the time um that we were playing the matches um he does have a few words to say so with that in mind, shall we check in with the captain's log? Hey guys, hope everything's going okay over there. Um, hope John's keeping you two in check. Um, I'm just here to give a bit of a view about our opening weekend's games in both our first and seconds league. Um, it's just great to be back playing rugby. And to be honest with you, it's not really a back for our club. It's, um, it's a first. It's the first time that the Vulcans have been playing rugby on a regular week in, week out basis um so it's an opening salvo to us on a journey that we're hoping is going to be a successful one um it's going to be a long one long journey plenty of bruises bumps along the way but what way to start uh, we hosted manchester spartans up at dormore on the opening weekend for the first and then travel over to york templars um for the seconds so opening day for the first was against the spartans as i mentioned um and the result there ended up being 34 to 10 to the vulcans uh, which was amazing um, to be playing a team such as the Spartans, who are showing us the way it is done, a club of their size and stature is is basically what we're aspiring to become. So to be able to compete with um, clubs such as theirs in this league is is just a great 
sign of the progress we've made. Um, we had players starting for the first who've never played rugby before. To be able to see the likes of Pete Kelly going out there and not only giving it a go, but doing well, is exceptional. And then we've got Ben Nicholson grabbing a couple of tries. It shows we're on the right path. So following that up, then we have the, the seconds travelling over to York, um, which was much more impressive result in my eyes. I know it might sound stupid because we lost that game uh, 41 to 8, but the amount of guys in that squad that had never played rugby before or was the first time playing for the Vulcans was such a high percentage. Um, against a team that, full of experience and quality, it's really a testament to the guys who travelled over. Um, not only that, the numbers that we took over to York made me so proud. We took a coach full of players and supporters. So for a club that we've all talked about it, you guys have spoke about it so much, we're training in a park with five in the pitch black with nothing, to then taking 30-odd people to an away game in York just two years later blows my mind on some levels. So yet that team filled with the likes of Scott Owens, like Baron Madison, Julio... Jude doing epically from what I've heard Troy, uh, Jack Walker the list goes on and I will be forgetting people so I apologise for any names that I'm not getting out there but Archie picking up back of the day I think on his birthday weekend, like what better prize could that be, Jason bagging the try on his return to rugby, just epic from the entire squad Um, really great work from Kate's guys I'd, I'd like to take just a quick moment as well to put a special thanks out there and just highlight the hard work um, that both John Walker and Richard Mather did over the course of those two week in, weekends, captain in the first and second respectively, um, just highlights the journey that those two have been on, um, stepping up and being able to do that. Um, I knew they could both do it. Uh, they're both part of the leadership group as part of my captaincy this season. Um, and everything I've been told, they both stepped up and went above and beyond all expectations. Um, people couldn't ask for more from them. Um, Chris Moore as well. Um, giving the helping hand in the seconds there, leading from 10, um, tackling with his head at times as well, which I think you can find on the internet somewhere if anybody wants to see that. Um, Yeah, so that brings us to this weekend, looking forward, and we're welcoming Leeds Hunters to Dormore, which is going to be our biggest test so far, most likely. Um, In the same way that Spartans are a club that we're looking to learn from, the Leeds Hunters, the exact same. Um, Exactly what we want to try and achieve down the line somewhere if we're lucky enough um, but we're putting out a decent squad a lot of strong players in there for us so if we work hard, stick together put in the graft um, we can compete with the likes of the Hunters there's nothing that stops us if that's what we want to achieve um, then that's what we can do we know it's not going to be easy this season at all, it is our first time playing regular rugby like this but we're not just here to make up the numbers um, so I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday and hopefully I see a lot of faces up there in support as well. Thanks for that, Mark. Okay, so uh, Nathan, I think it's uh, that time again. I think what we're going to do is we're going to call it time and blow the whistle on this episode of the Sheffield Vulcans podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please do. You can follow us on all of the social media platforms that you can imagine. Not MySpace, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> but also, you can get invo- involved with us on via email, which is chefbookenspod at gmail.com. We are always open to any kind of comments that we have. We love hearing your experiences of IGR, your experiences of rugby, whether you are new to it or whether it's something you've been doing for decades, i.e., Glenn. 
uh, please get in touch, Glenn. Please, please, we, we like hearing. We miss you. We miss. We miss we your miss, questions, Glenn. You, yeah, Glenn. good questions. We also, we also really missed you at tight head against Manchester Spartans. That's 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 <laughs> together. But as I said, thank you so much to to Phil and Archie for joining us. Thank you, Charlie PM. It's wonderful to have you back on the podcast, John. Thank you so much again. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to everybody. And uh, yeah, that's the end of the episode, guys. Cheers, thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.